this will have to do. We're recording on the most haunted day and night of them all, but you'll be hearing this after Halloween. Yeah, you'll be hearing this on November 4th. (gasps) Wear your poppy or else. (laughs) Right, so we go from from Halloween and then we go into... Uh, we go into poppy territory, right? And then, and then we have like the pre-Christmas, and then we get in, and then we get into actual Christmas. What is, what is pre-Christmas? Well, pre-Christmas is po- well, okay. So it typically should be post Remembrance Day or Memorial. Uh, do they have Memorial Day in November? I don't remember. Um, whatever, whatever Remembrance Day equivalent is in America in November, and then it's like it's not really Christmas. But it basically is like it just empowers people who are Christmas crazy mm. to start then. Now, I will say, like some people will go Christmas crazy like now, like today. I, I was like just November going to 1st. say, I, I was just going to say, Will. Yeah. Um, Sprite Cranberry is in stores. You could you could walk to a grocery store right now and get yourself a case of Sprite Cranberry, which makes me feel like Christmas is here. <laughs> is that a, is that a Christmas thing? Oh yeah, have you not seen the commercial with LeBron James? He's got his Christmas. Uh, it's the it's the most wonderful time of the year. You want to spray cranberry? No, no. Well, I don't blame you, Will. This is pre-pandemic. I'm sure the multiple COVID vaccines have wiped our memory um, <laughs> of Sprite Cranberry. But don't worry. It's back, Will. And it's in stores before Halloween has even occurred. Gotcha. So you can get your fix now. Well, I'm going to f- I'm getting my flu shot on Friday, so I'm probably just going to forget this entire podcast. So <laughs> let's go wild. It's Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast broadcasting on Halloween, but coming to you on November 4th. Uh, Will Young here, along with Lucas. Mancini, um, Lucas, you, uh, you, you, you. The dream came true. You went with your mime costume this year. That's right. I accomplished what I set out to do. You know, I, it turns out that I uh, had to. I didn't think I was going to be able to go to a costume party, so I had to put something together last minute. And it turns out I already owned most of the articles of clothing required to be a mime. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it happens that I have a mime type of swag, uh, despite my <laughs> verbose nature. Um, so it all ended up working out as a last minute, uh, last minute costume. Did you end up putting something together, Will, or did, as advertised, uh, you just kind of stayed home and chilled, watched some movies? Yeah, I went all in on horror movies this year and did not even attempt, did not even attempt a costume. Uh, I, you know, but I, what I should have done is I should have done one of those, um, one of those Japanese costumes of like incredibly ordinary things. That's what I want to do next year. I want to really think of a good ordinary people costume. If you've never seen this, it's an annual uh, Twitter thread that I love and it's, it's a Japanese costume tradition among some people where they dress up as the most ordinary things you can think of. Yeah. So, man with stain on shirt. Man with stain on shirt. Um, there was one where it's like a man uh, with his Coca-Cola bottle exploding in his face. That was really good. Like, the more ordinary and kind of ho-hum, the better. It's trying to be true to life in a really fun way, and a lot of the costumes you see can be really inventive sometimes as well. So maybe maybe next year, this year I just dressed like a podcaster, which means I have my pajama shorts on and I'm wearing a wrestling T-shirt that I also wear to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so li- living living the dream, just uh, dressing as I usually do every day of my life. Um, we do have a couple of emails before we get into everything here in this Arthur episode. Um, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. We have one email coming in from Nicholas, a.k.a. the Frensky Star. Hey, Will and Lucas, a couple years ago, Peebs posted on an Arthur forum, friend of the show Peebs. The, uh, the forum's called The Slums of Elwood, about all the real picture Easter eggs in season 15. And I noticed something about one at the end of Buster's Secret Admirer. So um, as we've kind of brought up here and again, in season 15, if you look closely in some of these shots, you can see that they're using real photographs of real people in places. And it's very jarring because it's we're not used to seeing like actual real world footage in Arthur incorporated in this way. Or almost, almost hardly not. Like maybe a couple of TV, like TV specials on the Arthur right. TV. If if it's not Nova, right, then we're not used to seeing live action uh, anything in Arthur. Mm-hmm. 
So Buster's secret admirer. The picture is on a calendar in Buster's house and pictures two people standing together next to a lake. The episode actually pans out on the picture at the end. The background of the picture instantly reminds me of the Canadian lake Lake Louise, which is a popular tourist spot in Alberta and famous for pictures there. I have visited before because I have family in Alberta. The two in the image are still indiscernible because of low quality. But Peebs brought it up on the forum. It could be someone and their mother to relate to the episode, possibly Mark Brown. Enjoying all your episodes. That's Nicholas of the Frensky Star. So, yeah, uh, keep your eyes open for this one. I've actually missed a lot of them. So if we don't end up talking about one that happened in an episode, it's probably because I just completely missed it. So my apologies there. It is quite the mystery, though. It's something it's one of those um, late season uh, motifs that have propped up, uh, similar to El Boomerang, where it's something right. totally unexpected. Where it's like, okay, there, it, it, it's almost it reminds me of something like Homestar Runner or something. It's 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 a little unArthur esque, not in a bad way, um, but just seeing these these pictures of real people uh, spread amongst and hidden in these Arthur episodes. It's those types of things that's like that was for the people who were making the show more than anybody else. And it's nice to see that they can have a little bit of fun with it, too. Our other email comes from Zach. I'm reaching out as I just discovered your podcast. I think it's an awesome concept. I plan to start listening to your Arthur season recaps sometime in the next week. I actually just finished watching my last 11 minute Arthur segment today. A journey that took around a year and three months to go through due to the sheer length of the show. It was a really fun and wholesome experience overall. It's awesome to see others so passionate about the show. I've yet to start the podcast, so I was wondering if you had any videos. Well, mm, sort of not really. Uh, Focus specifically on ranking the cast. We'd be very interested to see Mm. your thoughts on that. I just wanted to bring this up, Lucas, because I think that's an idea we should store away for another day. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, I don't want to get into any details, folks. But uh, I've been busier than I've been maybe in three years Mm, (laughs) these past few weeks. Um, And it's actually a miracle uh, me and Will have been able to record the podcast at all, uh, given how crazy busy I am. But uh, with there's a yin, there's a yang, and I am uh, going to be uh, the opposite of busy come the Christmas season, come late December. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have some fun stuff, uh, maybe in the sort of, oh, ranking some Arthur characters, video content, kind of that kind of world planned. So stay tuned as we get closer to uh, uh, Christmas time. We'll have more details. But uh, this uh, listener is on the same wavelength. Yes, absolutely. I just wanted to put that out there because it does actually happen to relate to some things that we'll be getting into in uh, about a couple months so yes uh, uh, first of all thank you to both of our emailers elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com if you want to send in an email and have it right on the show uh, Lucas is right. We, we've both been pretty busy, but Lucas especially has been uh, hopping around from place to place. So our schedule has been a little bit topsy-turvy, but we've also had some cool surprises happen. So over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits, um, we are going to be getting into... Uh, our 50th episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, and it's a two-part episode about Sesame Street. I'm all ready for our first episode. We haven't been able to record that yet. What has happened is that as of, well, you're hearing this right now on Friday. This has been out for several days now. If you're a patron and you haven't realized, you haven't seen it come in your feed yet, um, yeah, I got to sit down with an executive producer on Arthur by the name of Deb Frank. Deb was such a great conversation. I really think you're going to enjoy the ECL Presents episode that we had all about it. So I put that out on Halloween Day, and that is now available if you haven't checked it out yet. It's a great 30-minute little interview about De- uh, Deb. She worked on the show, what her experience was like there, how she got into public television in the first place, and what other PBS projects she has coming up very, very soon. Patrons, check it out. If that sounds cool to you, you can uh, become our, our patron at patreon.com slash Limits. I will also mention here, this isn't Patreon content, and it is kind of past the season now, but... 
Uh, in case you missed it last week, when, again, our Patreon week was a little up and down, I did release for free, on the free feed for everybody, our commentary of Arthur and the Haunted Treehouse, a.k.a. the Arthur 60-Minute Halloween Special. So if you haven't heard it, it's on your free feed right now. It's also up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits, where we have like 99% of Elwood City Limits content. And I say 99% because we still have a couple of things that are going to be coming up that are more seasonal in nature and that I figured would work a little better later in November and into December. But almost practically all of our Elwood City Limits content is on our YouTube channel as well. So patrons, you've got some new stuff coming there and you've got some new stuff there right now. Apologies on the delay, but I'm glad that we were able to make this little piece happen. And we've also got some cool stuff coming up there soon as well on the Patreon. And we want to say thank you to the people who make that possible, such as new patrons like Derek Watson Jr. and Dante B. and Rin as well. We also have Amity Bell, Queenie Rose, Melissa H., David Corrales, Jeff L., Matt M., Josh Andalo, Jeffrey Norris, Derek Richopo. We also have, as I go to the next page, The Flying Sparks 32. We have Greenhouse Vinyls and Cedric Taylor. We have Valeria and Michelle Sprzynski, Caitlin Harrington-Robinson. And over on page one, we got stalwarts like Froppy, Shander Lefebvre Boten, and Teresa. Teresa, thank you very much for supporting us uh, at our Patreon. And coming up very soon as well, I will just put this out there. November 10th is when they will be announcing the Best of Halifax Awards. So you'll hear it from us for sure, but cross your fingers. And one more time, thanks everybody for voting for us, no matter what happens. We appreciate that you that you did that at all. Now we've got the episode in front of us. And, well, appropriate for us... Maybe not appropriate for you. Maybe you're still working through your Halloween candy. But this right. this first Arthur story is all about candy. It's called To Eat or Not to Eat. I had a quick note here. This episode is written, so when I'm going through the Wikipedia page for, like, an Arthur season, you know, you encounter the typical names of writers and even uh, storyboard artists on the show. And then eventually you get one that's, well, that's a it's a blue link, so that's, somebody new writing. Now, this isn't a new writer to Arthur, but it is someone who only wrote four Arthur episodes. This is his second of four. The writer's name is Ken Pontac, who is a writer for a lot of different children's shows, and he was also the co-creator of a show that I watched a lot when I was a kid. Lucas, have you ever heard of Bump in the Night? No, I'm not for... I mean, again, very... uh on brand with uh, the Halloween festivities, but I'm not familiar with Bump in the Night. I'm looking at... Oh, actually! Oh, wow, okay. This is like one of those uh, YTV nostalgia things where I didn't know the name, but now that I'm looking at these characters, I mm. absolutely have seen this. Um, I feel like this wasn't on often. Like, I only ever saw it when I was watching TV either too late or too early or something. Yeah. Uh, but I have seen this before. Specifically, the, like, blue character is ringing a bell. Um, but, uh, yeah, I haven't seen a lot. Wow, Bump in the Night. Th there used to be so many shows like this. You know, Freaky Stories, Ah Real Monsters. Anyway. It's, it's, it's Bump in the Night is a show that I watched a lot on YTV. It's a stop-motion animated kids show from the 90s. I believe you can also watch it on Tubi. If you have Tubi right now, you can uh, check out an episode or two. And it's got, like, Jim Cummings as the main character. Very imaginative, very strange. Uh, something that I, I still remember. So, the episode's called To Eat or Not to Eat. And we start out with Buster Baxter Private Detective? Well, come on. We already we already had a Buster uh, detective persona, and that was Buster Baxter Private Eye. But this one has a mustache, Will. I know. Th this is... one has a Mordecai-esque mustache, so different mm. different character on the wikia. Um, yes, you know what? It So I was hoping for conceptual symmetry here. I mean, we already have Buster has established that, you know, Buster Baxter Private Eye has the big hat. He's got the trench coat. And he's going for a little bit more of a noir thing here, so I can see why he might want to kind of alter the persona a little bit. But 
I mean, obviously, I'm partial to the previous one. But you're right. He's wearing kind of a, a, ga- a gangster, not a gangster because he's a detective, but like a L.A. noir style detective ensemble. And he's got the mustache yeah. going on. Three-peat so, suit with a with a fedora. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he does a little bit of a noir opening about the, the episode we're going to watch right now. And he ends up consoling. So it's one of those ones where he's in his office and he's kind of you know, narrating himself, and then a dame walks in. Except the dame is uh, what I originally thought was a Twinkie. Okay, I thought it was a fish stick. I was like, oh. When we first see this dame, you know, and and this episode plays heavily on the noir tropes, like through Buster, Buster's narrating the whole episode in a noir style. Um, the, the way the the plot is structured is beat for beat, you know, typical noir plot. Um, and of course, we start our in, uh, inciting incident is a long legged femme fatale enters mm. Buster's office, except. I was like, what am I looking at here? Like, I was like, I I was, this was really, super, I, like, I don't know. It's not often we see a non-funny animal character, right? And and if we do, it's usually already been, like, preordained to be a dream sequence. For So for some reason, even though we already knew this was uh, a hyper-reality because Buster was a noir detective... Uh, something about this was really strange and off-putting where I was like, who is this fish stick woman? Um, which we later learn she is a, uh, I guess candy bar for lack of a better term. Yes. So, you know, we're, the episode is around a chocolate bar, but it does. Yeah. I guess you would probably say candy bar because it's the, the outside of it is a little bit brownish, a little tan. So it doesn't, it doesn't look like a milk chocolate bar. And it's filled with like pop rocks, basically. Yes. I mean, we'll get into the mechanics of how this that we we should save it because we we need to actually break down what's up with this bar. Yes, exactly. Um, so the subject of the episode itself is called the Big Boss Bar, uh, which is from a company called Rabid Dog. We see a little bit of a commercial. Speaking of the '90s, this really reminds me of that kind of very in-your-face marketing of yes. uh, back from our childhoods of just, you know, it's like when you eat craft dinner, you go surfing on a wave of cheese and mom and dad don't like it. You know. Yeah. That kind of um, just the 90s, especially children's uh, TV commercial production design. Um, and they do, you know, in, in, in Arthur fashion, um, they are very good at this parody to the point where it, it's it's a, a very close um, recreation of that style of advertising. And it has worked its magic on the children. Um, Buster <laughs> no longer even wants to watch the show that they were watching. Uh, he says, we have just witnessed greatness, uh, and then gets up from Arthur's couch to immediately go and try and purchase uh, the... Um, what is, what is the big boss bar? Now, the, the company is called Rabid Dog. Yes. Uh, but, yes, this specific bar is the big boss bar. Big boss bar, which, as you said, it's a chocolate bar, and it, the appeal of it seems to be that it's filled with pop rocks because we see kids eating it, and they, like, animate the little pops coming out of their mouths. So Buster, they see a commercial for this, again, very in-your-face, and Buster is immediately entranced. He has to have it. But Binky, and this is kind of the the B-plot of the story, Binky <laughs> is doing his own side hustle. So he bought the sugar, almost the entirety of the Sugar Bowl supply of Big Boss bars, and he's selling them at what I can only assume is a markup. Yes. Binky is doing um, the kind of stock X mentality he's he's uh you know he's like a hype beast in line at the nike store he has he has bought up all the big boss bars just trying to flip them um and but there's one left that buster is able to get his hands on yes he does get his hands on one he's very excited to eat it at first so he is going to be having his big boss bar with lunch and miss mrs mcgrady for lunch she is serving a tofu stew with organic veggies and a whisper of ground cardamine, which sign me up. That sounds really yeah, it good. Yeah, sounds delicious. Sounds it's, very good. It sounds like a it sounds like a full uh, like a full day's meal, like part of this complete lunch. So she asks to look at the chocolate bar, and she reads off a couple of the ingredients. I got the. I managed to write down what she said. I didn't look up the spellings for these, so I apologize if I get the pronunciations wrong. It includes ingredients like. Azo Shintetro Arctic 
Mon- sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Azo Shintetroarctic monoxide acid concentrated monopazlamide tetroxide substitute. And the big one that we keep going back to in this one is trienzymated Zorn jelly. Um, so Mrs. McGrady passes on what is the message of this episode, which is you should check the ingredients of what you eat before you eat it. And if you can't pronounce it or if you don't know what it is, you should look it up. And maybe in general, like, if you don't know what it is, maybe don't put it in your body, which, I mean, it's a pretty good message. It's, I mean, it's a little uh, concerny, I suppose, but really, that is something that you should ideally be doing at all ages. Yeah, especially, you know, in North America, where food uh, regulations are, are much different, right? Uh, you can see uh, the ingredients that are in um, even, like, things like candy and stuff like that. If you look at what the way they are in Europe compared to the way they are in the United States and Canada, uh, there's a wide uh, gap uh, between what regulators will allow them to sell. And so... Uh, it, it's, I like that the, the message is not just, you know, don't eat it. It's saying, uh, try and be aware of what you're eating. You know, try and, and understand uh, where it's coming from or understand what it is. And then you can make a decision, which I think is, is a pretty positive message. Yes. And I- it plays into the theme how they actually do kind of obfuscate this information. Yeah. Uh, because they put it at the back of the ingredients list. And, you know, sometimes food will be like, oh, for, per serving. And then you look up how many servings they are. And it's a fraction of what's in the actual thing. Um, and so I think it's a funny way... Uh, to kind of uh, make a plot around it of having it be a mystery that uh, Buster is uncovering. It's so mm-hmm. obtuse and difficult to get this information of what the <laughs> hell is in these bars that it's as if it's Chinatown or something. I think that's clever. Right, because the uh, the cold open of Buster, uh, Buster Baxter, Private Detective, is kind of a metaphor for what Buster's going through in trying to track all this down. So we keep going back and forth to it here and there. It was when we... The second time we went back to the fantasy that I took a look at that chocolate bar. I looked at what she was wearing. Do you think she kind of looks like Ric Flair? <laughs> I That's think funny. she looks a bit I, like I, Ric Flair. I, I, I didn't I didn't see this initially, but now with the hair uh, and now that I'm seeing the outfit, it, she does kind of look like Ric Flair. Um. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that <laughs> the, the first time the, around. The the long blonde poofy hair, like the yeah. jacket she's wearing, looks a little bit like one of his robes. As just like it, she doesn't sound like him, of course. But uh, the, no, not a woo to be had. Um, <laughs> Buster, and then Buster almost- you gotta start eating the chocolate bar. <laughs> woo! And then Buster almost so gets on. run over uh, by a Rolls-Royce Phantom or uh, some right. lookalike vehicle uh, in this sequence. So in the fantasy – yeah, you're right. They're parallel stories. In the fantasy story, Buster is barking up the wrong tree. Uh, someone wants him dead uh, <laughs> for trying to figure out what's going on with this candy situation. Um, in the fantasy world, it's not framed as him looking up the ingredients. Rather, it's him trying to track down this character called the Candyman. Right. Um, that the the damsel uh, is requesting his help because because the Candyman's a dangerous character. Mm-hmm. Um, um, whereas it, in real life, he's just trying to figure out what's what's uh, try who was Zorn jelly. Yeah, trienzimated Zorn jelly. And yes, and, and as mentioned before, Binky is selling the candy bars at school to kids, which is just really funny and something that nobody comments on is like, well, that's kind of wrong, too. But, you know, whatever. Uh, we all had we all had those at school in some in some way, shape or form. Um, we also kind of see in the background of everything. Fern and George are the characters who are. I mean, you can tell right away they're becoming addicted to the chocolate, and that does play into it a little bit later. I keep saying chocolate. It is more of a candy bar. Um, As Buster Buster goes to the brain to try and figure out what these ingredients are, Brain has a line here, most of the periodic table of elements is included here, even some of the radioactive ones. So, like, this is not not just, like, addictive, as we will find out, but, like, actively harmful like maybe yes. as a, maybe the only candy bar with a half-life 
Exactly. It is it is dangerous, which we should have actually caught on to. I thought it was just an animation effect at first, but when the the pop rocks are sparkling in their mouths, you can mm. like see it like it and, it and once we learn that the the there might be, you know, degrading nuclear material in this candy, uh that gets a whole new meaning. Yes. And there's also a coloring agent that's used in the chocolate bar that Brain says is just made of bugs. And something I actually learned from this episode, as Brain says, ingredients that are listed first on an ingredients list on a food are means that there is more of it. I oh, didn't. you didn't know that? No, I didn't, actually. That's why when it's the first ingredient is sugar, you know, that's like, <laughs> oh, it's got the most. Exactly. Um, and, and here, this is you're you're actually proving this episode's point um, in motion, Will, uh, in real time, because that's a part of this whole thing is that you should have known that, right? In a, in a mm. society where the powers that be are actually looking out for us and what we put in our bodies and making sure that we're edu- educated about what we're consuming, that would be evident. But you kind of have to go digging a little bit to figure out that information, much like a detective. I'm becoming a bit better about reading the labels on things. I did a few years ago when I started looking out for salt content, and you'd be surprised mm. that there are some things out there that really jack up the salt content, which you got to be aware of as you, as you get older. So that's where it started for me. Um, so Buster goes further into his research of these ingredients, especially the ones that he just has no idea what they are. He goes to the Rabid Dog website at the library. I loved how the homepage of this candy bar company is like it's hard to describe but like this is really close to how annoyingly a lot of official websites used to be designed back in the yeah. day it's it, it remi- uh, yeah space jam website well okay did that so when i say annoying it's like not only in the layout but like did the Space Jam website like play music or sounds? Oh, yes. oh it did. Yes. Okay. I've, I've, yes. All right. Okay. I haven't been doing it in a long time. My first thought was that the, I actually had a similar situation to Buster here. Like he turns on the website, it's like playing music and like literally yelling at him, and it and it's disturbing <laughs> everybody in the library. So it reminded me of when I was a kid in I want to say like in junior high maybe. I went, we had like a class in the computer lab and we were supposed to be doing an assignment and I went onto the website for Super Smash Brothers Melee and so it would, you know, it played like an animated GIF. I think this was as it was coming out or as it was new, but what I didn't know is that when you open up the website, it goes, Melee! And I was just like, oh, so sh- like yeah, <laughs> like had to had to close it really quick and almost got in trouble. So yeah, it's I don't like maybe websites still do this these days, but it just reminded me of like a lot of really annoying websites that you would go to as as a kid or when you were younger that just constantly make noise at you and how that used to be a trend. So Buster, uh, well, and you said the uh, hmm. website yells at him. Do you remember what it yells specifically? I believe the website says candy is an important part of every meal. um and i mean that seems to be the a lot of their a lot of their value um values as a company i should say um so buster yeah to even try and read like the typeface on the ingredient list online is so small it's like prohibitively small buster has to squint at it he has to follow link after link and it's just inc- like he can't he doesn't even really get anywhere there. And we also see in the library as well, George and Fern are like beginning to feel sick. Like it's worse than a sugar crash. They're like l- completely listless and just feel it. They look hungover almost. Yeah. Or, or they're going through withdrawals. Yeah. Um, yes. In fact, uh, Fern says, is somebody spinning the library? So she's totally disoriented. Um yeah, from the come down from from the big boss bar. Um, so Buster decides to use uh, the best uh, tool in his arsenal. I will also say there's a funny line when we go next time we go back to Buster talking with the candy bar in the wraparound noir segments. Uh, he says, "I hate to see candy cry," as the <laughs> as, as it like sheds a tear. So Buster, I know, yeah, not we haven't really been talking about the the noir segments too much because they're. 
Um, it's pretty much just Buster tailing someone or, or talking to the candy, but all of the writing in those segments is really fun. Buster's t- making all these really fun food analogies. You could tell they're playing around with him talking in the noir voice and all the cliches. Uh, they're all really well done. Um, so Buster goes to his mom, who, of course, is a journalist, and she uses her connections to get a tour of the headquarters of Rabid Dog, which are the makers of the candy bar. They essentially get a little bit of a tour here. They don't really leave the main office, but the Rabid Dog headquarters are also very annoyingly designed and like constantly playing like dialogue and music and stuff like that. And <laughs> so I think I know where this is probably going. The person that they meet with is uh, named, well, he says, just call me Supreme Dog. We're very informal here. Yeah, so Supreme Dog, uh, like, I was surprised because what is he coming out with the fall-winter collection, spring-summer 2020, all the hype beasts, like I said earlier, they're lining up. they got to get their Supreme, um, you know, so open how, up the lookbook. So how would you describe Supreme Dog? Oh, like the person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I mean, he, he's he got, like, the movie theater voice. Like, it's the voice from the commercials. Hmm. And, I don't know, he looks like a um, uh, some sort of terrier or something with his ears. Like, he does look like a dog. There's nothing really supreme about him. He does not look like he's dressed in, in streetwear or skateboard clothes. Uh, so, he... The... the the name seems to be unrelated to the fashion brand, for sure. Yeah, and he's also quite tall, and he has this kind of, mm, I almost want to say aloof, but not aloof, but um, kind of, uh, de- like, detached, maybe? Like, the, the, well, he just the, sounds he, like an NPC. He sounds like a like a robot that they built to yes. uh, advertise this product. Like, he's always talking in ad voice. Yeah, he's, like, weirdly not a person in, in some strange ways. So he shows Bitsy and Buster, like, this video of exactly how the candy works, and it's literally modeling, an like, an addiction. And Buster points it out as much of just, like, the eating the candy makes you happy, and then when you don't eat it, you get sad until you eat more. And somehow he felt leading with this wasn't suspicious or bad in any way, especially to somebody that established herself as a journalist for the newspaper. Um, So Buster kind of calls him out on it. He even, like, tries to get him to eat a candy bar, and it's he literally runs away. And then they later get a – not even later. They almost instantly get a – response in like a business card like somebody comes up and hands him a business card to say that supreme dog is taking a personal day the tour is over yeah it's like eyes wide shut where it's like cease your um your fruitless like endeavor your your cease cease your investigations right it will be fruitless um the guy handing him a card i I liked that little touch yeah it's pretty hilarious how supreme dog as the face of the company uh, was so not media trained and kind of <laughs> blew up the entire scheme uh, with the first journalist he talked to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he re- he really folded incredibly quickly. So Bitsy is making this like a headline story. It's in fact a top news story, and <laughs> I really laughed at this. The, like the the newspaper headline the next day is something to the effect of like candy company cons kids and. The paper image is of Supreme Dog, who is now behind bars and, like, visibly crying? How did they get that picture of him? Did they just have it ready to go? They they must have arre- He must have been arrested that evening. <laughs> well, and, um, and how fast? And then they were waiting at the jailhouse. Yeah. How much? Yeah. How fast does the the justice system work here? So yeah, the company is outed and practically overnight nobody wants it anymore in fact binky is reduced to having to sell uh to sell the rest of the bars he has at a loss basically like two for (laughs) two for 25 cents and can't even sell them there and uh buster is vindicated in uh, investigating his food a little bit more closely so that was a little bit halloween appropriate the next one not so much but certainly worth talking about which we'll get into right after this 
Hey everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast, and if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You can go to facebook.com slash elwoodcitylimits, at ECL podcast, that's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr, it's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new... A bi-weekly PBS Kids review show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review. You can check out patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post in from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. S-W-E-A-T. Now, I wasn't sure if I had to pronounce the letters or if I had to pronounce the word the last time we were on Elwood City Limits, but it is definitely S-W-E-A-T. That's the name of this episode. And we get off with, we start off with Arthur. He's trying to do like basically a TED talk about stress and how to handle stress, which I I don't want Arthur to give me advice on stress. I I feel like (laughs) I, like, listen, I am a very tense individual i recently went to a doctor and they were like you are like you're one of the most tense people i've ever seen because they were like they were like try and relax i'm like okay and they're like you're still incredibly tense and i'm like really this feels like i'm relaxing so they're like the idea of trying to relax is actually stressing you out quite a bit um (laughs) something not as stressed as arthur gets when um, you know, Buster's messing with him during this cold open. Uh, Arthur's trying to give this TED talk, like you said. Buster turns on like an industrial-sized fan that interrupts him, and then Arthur's talking about how you know you, stress happens like when you have a big test coming up, and Buster interrupts and says, "Would you be more stressed about a bear?" And then, for all the you animal hierarchy heads out there, <laughs> uh, great screen cap here of a just realistic proportions bear running after Arthur. Um, like it's that freaking Alec Baldwin movie, the edge or whatever. Um, and, uh, Arthur is then picked up. This, this is my favorite part of this opening is this whole second part where it's like, okay, if you didn't think this was stressful already, Arthur's picked up by a helicopter, which turns out is being flown by DW. Yes. Arthur asks her, where did you fly? Where did you learn to fly a helicopter? And DW responds with, is that what this is? <laughs> uh, I thought this was a ride. Give me back my 25 cents. Yes, and it turns out this is now we are out of the frying pan into the fire. This is an even more stressful situation. Um, to which Arthur says, you think this is stressful? Wait until you see the show, which is which which is a great which would be a great tee up for like Fear Factor or something. But uh, true. I will say that the show was not as stressful as this. No, <laughs> now, n- now that I think back that he says that it's like, uh, actually, the kids were just kind of stressed out about doing a test. It was not as bad as being in a helicopter that's flown by someone who uh, doesn't know how. Yeah, it's not like the last episode of Midnight Mass or something. It's you're not, you're gonna be, I think, at a, a pretty even keel watching this one. So SWEAT stands for the Stoddard Wilkins Elementary Aptitude Test, which is a test that the kids are having to prepare for in Ratburn's class. And there's a few of them that are having very specific problems. That it's one of those ones where we kind of follow these problems throughout the episode. It's not, there isn't so much a not as as strong of an A to B type of storyline. We just kind of have various um, goings on with some of the characters that we check in on. So it's with specifically, we start with Arthur Buster and Sue Ellen. So they're each stressing out about different parts of this test. So like Arthur is trying to find a place to do his practice test, but everywhere that he goes is too noisy. 
even though eventually it gets to be a little bit out of hand, he needs a quiet place to study and he can't find it. Sue Ellen is stressed out about having the correct pencil. Um, she does. She Which was. Is, she uh, isn't. She wasn't originally aware that you have. It's one of those tests where you have to use a number two pencil to fill in the circles, and you have to fill it out in a certain way. And finally, Buster is confounded by the very nature of the existence of word problems. I'll say that Sue Ellen being stressed out about the ten- pencil is probably the most far fetched element of this. Like, it's a weird thing for her to be fixated on. Um, but this kind of whole thing is a little bit weird, I guess, if you're not used to it. I mean, Will, we came up in the Canadian education system. There isn't really any standardized tests. Um, That's true. I, I feel like I have taken one before, but th- that was a long time ago. And, yeah, it's not as much a thing outside of – or I should say where we are as opposed to the American educational system, which I believe does a bit more of these. Yeah, SATs, things mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. of that nature. Now, I don't know about at, at the elementary level, um, but this was a little bit, this whole concept of, you know, I've always seen it in media of like, oh, fill in the, the circles in these multiple choice questions. It's not really something I've personally done um, throughout elementary school to high school. So it seems to be a little bit more of an American phenomenon, um, especially, yeah, when Mr. Rapper and giving them the practice test book and all of that stuff. I've seen mm-hmm. it only in popular culture. We kind of follow these stresses along the way. Um, so some small things here and there. First of all, when before Mr. Ratburn introduces this, he puts S-W-E-A-T up on the chalkboard. And Buster asks, are we learning about sweat today? Because if we are, I came prepared. And he <laughs> smells himself. <laughs> um, so Sue Ellen, when she, like, Arthur has to correct her because she, like, fills hers out with pen and, like, kind of doodles on it. And you have to, like, just fill in the circles or else it can't be counted. To which Sue Ellen says, I prefer the dusky soulfulness of a 4B. That's also at the uh, Sugar Bowl where we hear from the highlight of this episode. (laughs) Binky talking in a pirate voice. Um, And this is funny for, like, multiple reasons. For one, it's like, oh, yeah, Binky would have done all this before because he's repeating the third grade. Yes. But also, like, he's basically – and I know you know this. What's the character from Jaws, Will, that, like, scratches the chalkboard and is like, I'll get your shark? Um, That's uh, that's Quint. Yes. Binky's essentially being Quint here, pirate voice and all, where he's like, oh, I remember ye old practice test. And Um, he's he's got the one eye closed and he's like (laughs) kind of affects the hook with his finger. It's it's funny. And and the reason he's doing it, we learn, is because it is talk like a pirate today. International. Also, kind of aged this episode. I was like, dang, we really are in the early in the 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 mid aughts, the mid ten aughts. Uh, if we're talking about talk like a pirate day. Yeah, exactly. It's it, it's very much of its time. Uh, in a way that I kind of appreciate. I think at the time I was like kind of rolled my eyes at international talk like a pirate day. It was a little bit annoying, and now it's just like, well, but that's like. Binky's Binky's age is exactly who should be enjoying this day, not like yeah. grown grown people. Um, we do see in the montage of like Arthur trying to find places to work, like he tries his room, he tries the living room, <laughs> yeah. he tries the basement. We see here the return of Mary Moo Cow. Now we saw a vocal return of Mary Moo Cow in the previous episode, but DW is straight up just watching it on TV, which it could be one of two things. First of all, n- the Arthur episodes don't take place sequentially. They take place in a very uh, long-ranging continuity that doesn't always line up sequentially. So this could be when, before it was canceled, it also could be, you know, you said yourself you were in, like, the early 2010s. Maybe Mary Mukow found new life on streaming. Maybe DW's watching, like, <laughs> Netflix on TV or something. Yeah, they're watching Mary Moo Cow on Hulu. Uh, also, the song Mary Moo Cow is singing is really funny. Um, you know, it's funny. We talk about kids shows all the time, and I always consider Arthur to be a little bit more highfalutin, have a little bit more going on than some of the other PBS shows we watch. And Mary Moo Cow always does a good job of kind of lampooning those other shows. For instance, Mary Moo Cow singing a song where she goes, three, three, three is fun. It's more than one or two. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but this whole sequence, this montage of Arthur getting distracted by noises so he can't focus, um, I don't know if this will mean anything to you, Will, but there's this movie that's out right now called Tar. Have you heard about Tar? I've heard of it. <laughs> I don't really so much know what the movie's about. I've just seen like that one post of like somebody complaining about it in a really weird way. 
Oh, interesting. Well, I've just okay. on, on film Twitter, I've just seen a lot of tar memes. Everybody's okay. talking about tar because it's the type of movie that doesn't usually get a lot of play. Like it's mm-hmm. not like, you know, a Marvel movie, but people are talking about it like it's one as a joke. Okay. Uh, everybody's got tar fever. Everybody's a big fan of Lydia <laughs> Tar. Uh, famous composer. All right. Uh, anyway, I, it's about a composer who I think gets canceled. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see it for myself. But sure. uh, I watched the trailer for Tar, and there is a thing in Tar where, like, she can't she can't write. She can't work anymore because these sounds are all distracting her. And it was like there's a sequence in the Tar trailer that's, like, very much like this sequence from Arthur. Uh, and I was like, dang, Arthur's on his Lydia Tar stuff <laughs> right now. Um <laughs> Um, Well, and to go along with potentially if the movie is about somebody being canceled, when Arthur tries to turn the TV off, DW goes, Mom, Arthur's not respecting my rights. Exactly. Much like, yeah, they're they're more, Arthur and Lydia Tarr are more alike each other than they are different. Interesting. Now I need to see this movie too, damn it. Okay. (laughs) Um, We also, Sue Ellen has, Sue Ellen's very stressed about having the right pencil like she goes to really weird lengths like she buys up a lot of them and like gives them to other people because if she forgets them then they can give them their pencils to her she has this dream where we get a couple of like wild images here like she wakes up and she can't bring her god how do i explain this in the dream she has a dog that is in the shape of a pencil and she calls it dots and it's a 4B and she can't bring it to the to the test. And it's literally like it it is a dog with like it it even like writes something using its tail, which is the pencil lead. Yeah, you thought that Chainsaw Man had the market cornered on dogs <laughs> that are tools. Well, enter Arthur with its its pencil dog. Yeah, this is this is not Pochita. This is uh, uh, what which dots. Which mm-hmm. all right. So um, and Sue Ellen dreams. I, I I don't even know if we got like the dream, the going into the dream sound effect for this. It felt a little jarring. And she dreams that she's getting chased down the street by a bunch of giant number two pencils uh, with legs. I did you notice this in the soundtrack when the pencils show up? There's a musical sting that they use that I'm used to hearing on, like, Vines and TikToks. Oh, it's really? Like, no, I didn't notice this. Okay, just a second. I need to hear this. So it's the – this is going to be me trying to do it, and I don't even know if I could fu- try and find this. It's not – it's the – it's like that yeah. sound. Dun, dun. Yeah, just yes. here. I'm at, I'm at the moment right now. Just a second. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to be like, it's like, bruh. Just a second. <laughs> Oh wow! It is okay. It's yeah, dun, dun, yeah. Um, yeah, it's that gu- must be it's like the a stock. Effect. <laughs> that that must be a stock effect noise or something. Absolutely. Um, uh, the only comment that I made about any of these three problems is that I don't remember. Like, so I have taken a standardized test before. Like, surely they would provide you a number two pencil if you didn't have one, right? Like, I know that the American educational system is, you know, they, they uh, definitely uh, do. That's uh, why, but. Sue Ellen's one is the weirdest one. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that she's having stress nightmares about giant pencils, I was just like, it just rings false to me. Like everybody else's anxieties surround this test are totally valid. This getting fixated on the writing utensil seems like a really weird thing to be hung up on when it comes to a test like this. Mm-hmm. So Mrs. McGrady takes it upon herself. She sees that the kids are really like amping up in terms of stress. So she decides with Mr. Ratburn's help to give them a little lesson in how to manage stress. So she does a very simple outdoor breathing exercise with them and allows them to kind of relax their bodies. Uh, I appreciate that we that we get like two larger Mrs. McGrady cameos here. And this is definitely, in both cases, it felt true to her character. So that does help the kids relax a little bit. But we pivot as well to Brain. So Brain wasn't really in the first half of this episode as much. He was kind of there, but it was more of just like, I'm not worried about it. It's like, I'm fine. And then he also starts to get stressed out about it because he does a practice test at home. And when he's reviewing the answers, he realizes that he got a bunch of them wrong, according to the answer key. And that really stresses him out. So a couple things here. First of all, when he fills in, when he sees like the wrong um, dots filled out 
and he tries to erase one of them and he accidentally tears the paper. We get like this cartoon, well, it's already a cartoon, but like this differently animated representation of both Stoddard and Wilkins <laughs> on Brain's paper. And and one of them says, by Jove, we failed another one. <laughs> and they high five. And I thought that was very funny. I, I really like this Brain subplot because it adds a different element. You know, I thought this was going to be a typical ensemble episode where, you know, the three kids have their anxieties and we check in with them throughout. I like the arc that Brain has here where he starts off not caring about the test at all. And then when he sits down to practice, he just spirals. And yes. this is good because it's it's um, just another portrayal of how stress can manifest, right? The other kids are stressed from the jump. Um Whereas Brain has it kind of come, it, it's a late onset rush mm-hmm. of stress um, that he wasn't expecting. Um, well, and I he, think it, it kind of adds some life into the latter half of this episode, too. Yeah, it was an interesting way for it to go. I should say also, it's stress and then it's also very much like anxiety. Like, it's a lot of anxiety as well, which I know that they can be similar, but they are can be also very different in key ways. But you're absolutely right. The other thing I wanted to point out in this part, did you notice the poster behind Brain? Oh, the uh, Martin Luther King poster? The MLK poster. Yeah. So it's an I Have a Dream poster of MLK, and he's got, like, the Arthur ears. He's got, like, the, the aardvark bear ears, which, like, I don't really have too much to say about that, but I remember seeing them, like, whoa. Like, it's, we don't often, we see, like, guests have those, but it's not often, I mean, I'm sure it's happened before in 15 seasons. Did, did but, Mao Zedong have ears? Right, Let me look right. it up now. Well, well right? It's It's, like... It's not all that often that you see like real historical figures that are Arthurized without without being like made into a character. This is very much just in the background of like, yes, Martin Luther King existed in this universe as well. Interesting enough, Mao Zedong also just seems to have bear ears. (laughs) According to the Arthur wiki, Yeah, he's added to actually the bear. They've listed his animal as bear. Let's see if MLK has got his own page on the Arthur wiki. Ooh, good question. Well, the journey to the Arthur wiki. Always like these. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, spoilers, Will. This will not be Martin Luther King's first appearance on Arthur. His, or or his only appearance. His only appearance. Okay. Yes. Glad to have him back. So, yes, Brain very stressed out about this on the day of the test. But Buster allows Mr. Ratburn to give him just a minute or two to help Brain relax. And he uses a version of Mrs. McGrady's uh, relaxation technique. And the episode ends with everybody, they're stress managed, they're calm, and they start the test. How they do, we don't know. It's not really the point. Okay, let's take a look at what we just watched and talked about. So, Lucas, this is one that people, I think, have been waiting for us to talk about. I remember specifically refer- specific references to the candy bar episode. So, to eat or not to eat, what did you think? I loved it. I thought it was a great episode. Cool. I, I, I think that the um, imagination sequence, this kind of noir setup of Buster unfolding this mystery is like we said earlier a really great analogy to just how obtuse and difficult it can be to sometimes figure out nutritional information about what you're eating uh which is kind of an indictment of a lot of the powers that be that let that happen but i digress i think it's a it's a really uh fun metaphor uh for kind of doing that research um and i i like uh like I was saying earlier, I like that it's not just as narrowly a uh, episode that's kind kind of trying to do this after school special thing about what you eat. You know, it's not uh, food pyramid stuff. It's instead trying to th- inspire kids to think critically about what they eat and then come to their own conclusions, which I think is a really positive message. Um, and all the comedy in it really worked. Supreme Dog you know, running away saying when he's confronted and immediately saying, keep it away from me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the fact that it's, uh, oh, they go as far as to say that it is indeed addictive. Like they're ba- basically lacing these candy bars with nicotine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. This, this episode really went some places and I think it sticks the landing. Um, and it's a fun little mystery with like a three act structure. Like, I don't think I necessarily, I knew that the candy bars were definitely not good, but I don't think I saw it going the way it did where it's like the overtly addictive um so you know they're they're kind of the jewel pods of their day uh so i enjoyed it what about you will 
I liked it too. Um, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say love, but I really appreciated what it was trying to do. Like you said, the messaging of it was really strong. It's something that, again, it's one of those messages that not every kid's show would even really think to tackle. And it's something that I think people of all ages could could stand to do and just kind of be more knowledgeable about the stuff that you put in your body. I mean, we've all been guilty of... Uh, you know, just eat, eating eating garbage sometimes. So not that we're above it, but it is a good habit to get into. And they did it in a way that was very true to Buster's character. And it felt good for Buster to be the one advocating to become more informed about something. Because so often that character can be like the one to jump to conclusions and, you know, trust disinformation or misinformation. And thankfully, this time, he was able to be a little bit more level-headed. So I appreciated that. The detective story wraparound was fun, even though it wasn't Buster Baxter Private Eye, but that's just that's just me. And uh, yeah, it was very like it was definitely blown up to cartoon kids' cartoon proportions, but in a way that I think ended up serving the story quite well. Um, I also liked SWEAT, maybe not to the same degree, but I did like it. And I kind of appreciated, I thought that maybe. You know, in other in other cartoons, it might just be like the test is the thing. But here it was again dealing with something that not only kids could stand to learn about, but all of us. And that is kind of stress management techniques. Now, it only really scratches the surface, but it's a good introduction to making that part of your life. Again, it's something that we all can sometimes neglect to do or don't even really know how to effectively do. It's something that I'm sure you and I have had different experiences of in terms of stress management, anxiety management, but once you find techniques that work for you, um, it really is very important in in order to not live stress-free, but how to manage it when it when it spikes. And I think that's a good message of, you know, it's not, you're not trying to live a life where you're never going to be stressed, you're never going to be afraid, you're never going to be nervous. That's not possible. So you have to learn how to deal with those feelings as they come. And this is a very good introduction to that, wrapped up in some of the, like, I, I thought some of the, um, the neuroses that the kids had around the test were kind of were kind of funny, and I thought that they had some good lines in there too. So yeah, again, uh, I appreciate the positive messaging, and it was wrapped up in a in a good episode as well. Same as you, I, I enjoyed this episode. Maybe not as much as um, to eat or not to eat, but it was still uh, you know a good pairing. Um, like I said, I, I really like the, how they introduce Brain getting stressed out at the end um, because I think that the episode's getting a little samey. You know, everybody gets their dream sequence. Everybody has their individual anxiety that they have to get over. Um, then they kind of learn some mindfulness techniques, which, yes, is a really good lesson. Even though they're only scratching the surface, I think it's a really good thing to um, impart on Arthur's young audience. and it, It's something that could benefit everybody, even if someone's not particularly anxious. You know, the, it's practicing mindfulness will always be helpful, um, but I like that they have that extra element of, at first, uh, you know, Brain wasn't worried at all, and then he got anxious and stressed out, and I, I think that it's, it does the episode some favors, because it's not just the, the students who um, are always anxious and stressed, like <laughs> Arthur, uh, it's even people who are really capable and, and were really prepared for the test, and something just came to over him. And so, and I like that it was it was Buster of all people that was the one that chilled him out. Um, so yeah, this was another good episode. Lots of funny lines as well, uh, like we were talking about with the intro. DW flying the helicopter, Mary Moo Cow. Um, there's one part where like uh, I can't remember. It, it's someone tells Brain to uh, relax his toes, and yes. Brain's like relaxing phalanges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was when Buster instructed him, and then he's just like, "And now your toes are walking out of the room. Maybe they're going to the sugar bowl." Uh, just really getting carried away with the relaxation technique. So yeah, Arthur still got it here in season fifteen. Always great to see. Not that we are lack, not that we are like inundated with bad episodes or anything, but it's always good when you get a nice. One-two punch here as we uh, get back on the ECL train and move forward because we are going to be moving into November. Well, by the time you're hearing this, you are in November. And changes are coming up for the Elwood City Limits Patreon sooner than you may realize. In fact, by December, things are going to be looking quite different in terms of how we release content. If you're curious about how... Well, our patrons know by now, and you could be one of those, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. 
We will be letting you know, though, when the changes before the changes go down. So don't worry. We're not going to spring this on you. Coming up on the next episode of Elwood City Limits, we're going to be talking about Prunella the Pack Rat and what's in a name. So not don't really have any guesses about that. I mean, I'm sure one's about Prunella, probably. But we'll have to wait and see. So wherever you are with your Halloween candy, don't make yourself sick. Brush your teeth. Uh, oh, brush your teeth. God, that sounded lame. Um... Or don't. I'm not your mom. I'm not your dad. Uh, do it. Do whatever you want. Rot your teeth for all I care. But uh, if but if your mom and dad are listening to this, I I, I listen listen to them. I I didn't have wow. a I didn't I didn't wow. have, I didn't have a what a prepared. frightening Halloween message from Will. <laughs> listen to your parents. Ooh. Well, and that, and yeah, now we're getting into the the November of it all, and thankfully. We managed to go through all October without any snow, and uh, we'll have to wait and see for the first snow over here in Canada. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is I hope your Halloween was great. I hope you're still enjoying maybe the cheap Halloween candy you bought the day after, and uh, let's not have Christmas come too, too quickly. I'm still a lot of year left to live, so let's... Uh, Let's all cool our jets there. Have yourself a great uh, week as we go along here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Elwood City Limits. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... That was the triazimated corn jelly talking. We'll see you next time.